Hello, beloved listeners, and welcome to Snake People at the Movies, film criticism by people who actually like film. Join us as we dive into movies we love, movies we respect, and movies we wish we could unsee. It's the podcast where we talk about growing up and living queer, nerdy, and depressed, online and at the cinema. From the kids who only trust our fists, it's Snapple at the Movies. I'm uh, Ezra, a voice that you haven't heard on this show for a while, but I'm back. All technical issues have been, knock on wood, sorted for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm Helena. And that was me knocking on wood. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, Maddie, our uh, beloved other co-host, uh, can't make it tonight, so they have left us with... Uh, ton of thoughts and kick-ass research for this episode that we will do our best to do justice to but um they will uh catch you on the flip side so uh this episode is about cop media uh and just to kind of make the position of this podcast clear uh all cops are bad Policing as an institution is irredeemable and should be abolished, Uh, but cop media, like police stories, are a foundational facet of the myths that America, like, makes about itself, and they're a habit that we collectively need to break. So, uh... This episode, I guess, is going to be a little of cop media. What is it? Also a little bit of like, why do we like it so much? And um, some questions about what we replace it with. Because we have to learn to tell different stories about what we value and who we want to be. Because like, I think that the kind of childish, reductive dream of being a cop comes from a good place because it means like i want to do the right thing and i want to keep people safe um but the reality uh, obviously is like the exact opposite of what they're dreaming about and mm-hmm. i think that stories can help redirect those impulses to do good into directions that will actually do good so we're not experts <laughs> And we don't want to, we're, we're super, super, super not here to present ourselves as like the people with the answers or anything like that. But this is stuff that we're thinking about and we want to talk about the stuff that we're learning and also the stuff that we're unlearning. And it's an uncomfortable episode about an uncomfortable subject and we're just going to live with that uncomfortableness, which is a terrible word and a butchering of the English language. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Here we go. You need it. You Copaganda. Well, <sighs> where to begin? Um... Yeah, there's a truly staggering number of cop. A lot of it's TV. I mean, like, there's fuckloads of cop movies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the biggest one is TV because, like, the idea of, like, like the like three things that kind of make for really good serialized television are like the like medical problem of the week, the like murder of the week, and the monster of the week. 
where you can you mm-hmm. can have like a little you can have a you know each one can be its own little like self-contained three-act play and so it's a formula and <laughs> maddie has provided this just like absolutely massive list <laughs> yeah. of cop media and like i remember i was talking to my dad about this because it's sort of weird to think like cop media is such kind of just like the background noise a lot of ways in like american television especially and i was thinking about it and i was like i know all of these shows exist and i have watched like functionally none of them which, which is just weird anyway which is like not important but he you know and this is something that goes back like my parents were born in the mid 50s Mm-hmm. You know, and they grew up watching serialized cop shows. Some of them were funny, some of them were serious, but it was just sort of always like, "What? oh, we're gonna do a TV show. Well, cop shows always sell, kind of. They're like yeah. the default. Well, and it's you know, kind you of- got, You got everything from like, like Fargo, cop show. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. They're the FBI who are cops. That's a cop show. Yeah. Fucking Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, it's a cop show. Less <laughs> yeah. oversight. But, uh, yeah. You know. CSIs. There's fifty million things of CSI. I guess Law and Order. They're like prosecutors, which are part of the same systematic problem. Mm-hmm. But they're law not order... technically cops. Are there cops on Law and Order? I've never seen an episode oh, yes. of Law and Order. Oh God, yes, they're cops. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the like you know, Law and Order is really interesting because you know we're talking about how, um, or I've been reading a lot about how um, the percentage of violent crimes that people commit is actually way, 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 way less than we're led to believe by television and film. And the percentage of cops who actually solve murders or investigate murders is also very yeah. low. So, He's but like Law and Order and nothing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Law and Order has been on for like practically, I think, twenty years or something. The original Law and Order has, and like Law and Order SVU has been on for a really long time. Um, and in every single episode of Law and Order, which I've seen a lot of because it's on TV a lot. Um, it's not something that a show that I've ever really been invested in because it's. I've always felt it's, like, so procedural that they don't really give the characters a lot of depth, which I'm not really interested in. It's it's very much about, like, taking an issue and making a crime out of it, and then let's see what the lawyers would say about it. But the first half of the show is always the cops, you know, going to the scene of the mm. crime and, and, like, investigating the crime and solving the crime, bringing somebody, you know, not not always yeah. solving it. You Sometimes they it's, get it's the just, wrong person. I mean, like, there's there's cops in Batman. There's fucking Paw Patrol yeah. where they're dogs <laughs> and they're cops, or some yeah. of them are cops. I think one of them's a firefighter. I only know this because the, like, children's, like, cake design that I have to make for work all the time is the one that's a firefighter. But, like... Right. They're cops because they're on patrol. They're fucking dogs. Like <laughs> they get they get them early. Damn. 
Yeah, you know, and like, the, the, as as Maddie puts it, uh, fucking Mr. Diehard is an NYPD cop. Mr. Diehard. It's good propaganda because it's entertaining. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and think about, like, Law & Order is, like, every single episode of, the, of Law & Order that I've seen is about a murder. Every single one involves some yeah. kind of huge violent crime. So it leads you to believe over 21 seasons with, like, you know, American seasons of television, which are usually at least 20 episodes long. Entirely gratuitous number of television episodes. Yeah, it's like, that's a lot of murder that's happening. Boy, boy, oh boy, is the crime rate in NYC just astronomical and the mur- people get murdered all the time. And it's like, it's like the joke that my, my dad makes about um, the Inspector Morse series and how he's always like, you know, you don't want to go, you, you don't want to go to Oxford because people are always getting killed there. Yeah, because... like <laughs> how how are how are there any academics left in Oxford after all of these years of of Inspector Morse, Inspector Lewis, and Endeavor? Like, I think they've all been murdered. Yeah, every single one. There's so much crime, but it's it just gives. It I just like a, the the pretty more people, false, way like, more portrait. people would actually be able to get jobs at Oxford and Cambridge if the murder rate for professors was really that high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's so, like it fund- yeah. fundamentally, it's it's solving a puzzle. It's just the fucked up thing is that the puzzle is the end of someone's life, and like most of these shows don't give a shit about the actual life that was ended. They give a shit about the puzzle, mm-hmm. like the person becomes a prop for that they become like a macguffin basically like justice for Mm -hmm. so-and-so becomes this meaningless macguffin (sighs) yeah that makes me think about sherlock holmes um and then there's like it, it goes both ways too because you have like you can have the cops who are like the you know the embattled defenders of law and order and and the only thing that's that's keeping the the line between fucking Hobbes' state of nature and, like, life is nasty, brutish, and short, or whatever, is this plucky band of, of dedicated police officers who are, who are, you know, who would, would die for each other and would die for the law or whatever. But then you also get to have the flip side, which is, like, the lone good cop who ends up with that kind of no true no like no true scotsman fallacy where he's like oh like none of these people like represent the real spirit of policing but like i'm the only one who you know they get to do the like which is kind of the wild west version of that where you have like the one guy in the white hat who's like i represent (laughs) the law because i'm a paladin or whatever which is not to throw (laughs) shade on paladins i love paladins um so but either way either you're valorizing all of the cops or you're valorizing the one true cop but like the cops are always right mm-hmm. yeah you know you you can have whatever style you want and it's interesting you can have what it, that's just kind of like the big thing is like whatever flavor of thing you want a cop like cop shows come in it and like the Western too, which is its own little myth making about American history, sometimes does intersect with the cop shows as well. Like yeah. Going back to the uh, the fifties with Gunsmoke, which was you know one of the longest running and you know popular um, 
westerns out there but he's you know he's the sheriff right so he's he's out there getting bad guys but it's also the wild west you know whatever that means yeah um he, he represents yeah. i like no matter what the cop represents civilization and and i think that's really the thing is like we've made like that that like the figure of the police officer has become like the face that we put on like the idea that like the social the like fucking social contract i'm pulling this stuff out of my like i used to be a political science major ass and it's all jumbled up in there because i don't care anymore (laughs) um so forgive me but the idea that like the social contract isn't something it's this vision of society where we just assume that there's some element if not a big element of people who like aren't going to be quote-unquote civilized on purpose like they have to be forced and the the like image of like the embodiment of the social contract isn't a person who chooses to like live collectively it's a person who disciplines people who act out yeah that that like that like the avatar of the civilizing force is a is violence which is you know that all gets pretty abstract but it's not like it just sucks, you know, if you, like, think about it, you're like, man, like, do I really want to live in a society that is, like, just considers violence against a subset of the population, which is, like, partially predetermined and partially totally random and could happen to anyone, like, that it's that it's just, like, that, like, that is just required to make the society happen? That fucking sucks. That's, like, such a horrible and pessimistic view of the kind of world you want to live in. But I guess as long as you think that that violence is never going to be turned on you, you're, like, cool Mm -hmm. with it. Which, like, spoilers. (laughs) Fucking nothing is keeping you safe from the cops. Except maybe the color of your skin. Yeah, except maybe, you know, like, to a certain extent, um... (laughs) you you are less unsafe for reasons of fucking not being black or non-black person of color like for reasons of being gender conforming for reasons of not being for reasons of fucking being neurotypical you know all of these all of these privileges like reduce your risk of being violently put back into the society box by cops and by the society box, I mean the defending capital against non-capital having people box. Because mm-hmm. that's what it's really about. Because the police are about fucking maintaining the relations of capital. Because Which is why we uh, got them from people who were trying to fucking catch and put back into bondage people who had been enslaved. And also the fucking Pinkertons, who were like, oh, I heard you're having a problem with some labor unions. Would you like us to make that go away with murder? It's about property. 
It's about people thinking that other people are their property and making up ways to steal those people back. And about making sure that you can exercise fucking whatever domination over your workforce you want. That's where we got cops. Um, there's a book that I can't remember where the free audio, the free ebook is, but uh, the book "The End of Policing" by Alex. Oh, Alex Verso Pintali. Books. If they're still Verso doing books. that deal, check it out. I'm gonna check. I'm um, gonna look and see if that's still up. Yeah, they are. Um, there's a section on the you know in chapter two um, about the original police force that talks a lot about you know the bobbies, the original you know uh, London Metropolitan Police. Um, and like the Peterloo massacre, um, in the London oh, shit. model. Hey, there's a whole movie about the Peterloo massacre, which is one of the few uh, Mike Lay movies that I have ever actually like not gotten bored during. <laughs> yeah, it's back in about a couple of years. A... Actually, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, or since we are a movies podcast, I feel that I have to mention this. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's also like the Royal Irish Constabulary, Constabulary, um, which word I can't apparently say right now, even though I know how it's pronounced. Um. I'll, I'll just read because I have it open in a tab right now because I'm reading it um, uh, this section from that opening paragraph which uh, you know Sir Robert Peel um, developed his ideas of managing disorder and protecting the property class from the rabble while managing the British colonial occupation of Ireland and seeking new forms of social control that would allow for continued political and economic domination in the face of growing insurrections, riots, and political uprising Um so and then he goes on to explain like usually they just use the British militia for that, but at the beginning of the nineteenth century, uh, uh, Britain's colonial empire was expanding, and they were also in the middle of the Napoleonic Wars, so they had their troops more spread out, so they didn't have as many British militia available to deal with just Ireland. Um, so instead, he. Like and and also like historically armed troops had been really bad at dealing with riots in in Ireland because um, they would usually just you know fire into the crowds, <laughs> and that would which would quote create martyrs and further inflame Irish resistance. Um, so quote Peel was forced to develop a lower cost and more legitimate form of policing, a peace preservation force made up of professional police who attempted to manage crowds by embedding themselves more fully in rebellious localities, then identifying and neutralizing troublemakers and ringleaders through threats and arrests. This led eventually to the creation of the Royal Irish Constabulary. Constabulary. Thank you, Helena. Uh, which for about a century was the main rural police force in Ireland. Um, it played a central role, role in maintaining yeah, British rule and an oppressive nauseam. agricultural... Yeah, exactly. System dominated by British loyalists, a system that produced widespread poverty, famine, and displacement, etc. And they kind of talk about how that um, that system then transferred itself over to, to Boston and to New York and to uh, Chicago, and it became more about like targeting immigrants um, and arresting them on getting them on vice charges so that they could control, you know. I'm I'm badly mangling the history that he goes into, but um, so that they could better control what they were allowed to do, basically, and to better protect the you know white property classes and the you know Protestant white property classes there at the time from the rabble rousing German and the uh, Irish immigrants and Italian immigrants, etc. Um, so 
Yeah, I wanted to get that in there because I I really recommend that people read this book and that we talk about like briefly at least what the actual history is. Um and like because it's it's in, it's, it's not uh it's not easy to talk about where we are if we don't talk about where we came from. Um the same author also talks about how like a lot of the cop shows that came out of the 1960s and uh, were like as Hollywood basically um, helping the LAPD manufacture a quote professional image for itself in the wake of the 1965 Watts riots. So it kind of starts there, um, which made me think of you know back we discussed LA Confidential further up here on the list as something that's a little bit more complicated in terms of. Um, its portrayal but um this isn't just you know come out of nothing right <laughs> yeah we got no, here for a reason we did um and and we're very we're very used to that sort of vision of of revenge justice that narrative of well justice has to be served by um you know i don't know committing an equal violent act i guess by incarceration a lot of times. i mean i know that people yeah. don't think about it like that but that's exactly what it is and part of the movement of prison abolition and police abolition is envisioning um restorative justice rather than um restorative like restorative repara reparational and reconciliation rather than retribution um and that's as angela davis puts it so um it's a it's a very it's very entrenched um and it's very you hear grown adults who are very intelligent talking about like you know bad guys and good guys and it's 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 really wild to me that we these are these are adults by the way who usually are just like huh, comic book movies are stupid or comic books are dumb and then they talk like a comic book villain they talk in comic yeah. book like not even complicated, like, you know, 90s, uh, 80s, 90s, uh, you know, meta <laughs> comic books. Yeah. Like, traditional comic books of, like, there's the bad guys and there's the good guys. But they're, but it's, like, no, not it's... even a Stanley version of, like, you know, heroes and villains. It's, like, a very warped idea of, like, there are heroes and then there are mm. villains. And Every, that's just... Everybody learned, it's this It's this feeling like everybody learned to play cops and robbers on the playground at some mm -hmm. early age and just, like, there's just certain facets of shit, mostly about the cops, that, like, you, they just stopped learning. Which you're kind I mean, you know, you're encouraged to do and, like, you either grow up in a school where the cops are a friendly and helpful neighborhood presence or you grow up in a school where the cops are fucking arresting you rat like you don't get detention you get fucking taken to juvie like obviously mm -hmm. all of this is applied super unevenly and like we're speaking from a position of the white privilege that means that we can intellectually learn about the way that other people mm -hmm. and other communities are impacted by the police differently but it's just like not something that we've experienced firsthand and so kind of I think it's I think just like one of the things that we can do is say like okay well like 
where do our ideas about the police come from because they're wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's useful to know how we got them because that means that one, like we can kind of learn the, the truth, but also that like, it's a lot easier to convince somebody that what they know is wrong if you can show them how it was intentionally taught to them. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you can show somebody the puppet strings, they're going to have a whole lot easier time understanding that the whole thing is a puppet show. Yeah. I'm really glad that Maddie put CSI down on here because I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, but it's the same kind of issue with Law & Order. Um, because they're like, the CSI people aren't, like, I never I don't think of them as cops because they're the character on the show who is like, he's actually the cop. His name is literally, literally, his last name is Brass. Um, Wait, his last he, name is what? Brass. Like, the Brass. No shit. That's too on the nose. <laughs> Seriously? Oh nope, yep, God. this is CSI Las Vegas, which is the original CSI, which is the CSI that I grew up watching, um, which is a wacky sentence to say, but I did grow up watching it. And so he would have like this resident, like stereotypical cop character, and then you have the rest of them, and they're just like, oh, we're just scientists, we're just trying to solve the crimes. But it's still, and like some of them go out in the field then and become like field people, and without being actually saying like, I'm a cop. Um but it still gives the impression, because of course, again, murder and sexual assault and sex crimes are the most uh, easily sensationalized crimes to portray to yeah. a an audience, especially for late night television. Um, so every single episode is that. It's some kind of murder, usually very grisly murder, sometimes serial killers, that kind of thing. And that's like every episode. And CSI was on for way longer than it should have been. Um, yeah. It was on for like, Damn, the original you know, CSI was I'm on for like about 14 seasons. And how oh, like... God. Terrible show. <laughs> I mean, because like, Confession, like, I watched... I, I, I watched the first, like, however many seasons Mandy Patinkin is in, which I think is just the first two. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched in high school when it was airing to date myself which we do on this show frequently <sighs> you know like oh i was going somewhere with this and i can't remember what it was i'm just thinking about oh i've seen that show you know, and we have a, we have a lot I'm, I'm thinking about what it is that i liked about it because as somebody who didn't grow up watching csi or law and order or there's a million of these shows. Like I can, I can kind of like rattle off titles without really knowing what they're about. Like there was that. There's like there's Southland and like NYPD Blue. And NYPD like the, Blue. Yeah. The one with the guy with the giant mustache who's like whole. Fa that's like a dynasty oh, of cops. That's hilarious that you described it like that. It's Blue Bloods. I know exactly oh, what you meant. <laughs> cool. I've I've just yep, seen a million yes, previews continue. for it while I was like trying to watch something else. But they all kind of run together, you know. And then you have this thing where like it feels like somebody comes up with an idea and they're like, ah, I have a a premise. 
well, and then the, the network says, okay, well, like, how are you going to make, like, a TV show out of it? And they're like, well, you know, like, maybe I'm going to have this, like, parceled out storyline over X many episodes. And I feel like the, story, the, the networks go, mm, people don't have the attention span for that. What if you made it a cop show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, there's so many things that are just, like, you can tell that there was, like, an interesting premise there and then for some reason it's a cop show like there was this show called new amsterdam starring the dude who played jamie lannister like before game of Mm. thrones was a thing Mm -hmm. um where he was like immortal and he had like been living on the island of manhattan for some ridiculous number of years and like but he like solved he like was a detective for the nypd he's immortal (laughs) like he's probably one probably doesn't need to have a day job Two, like what the hell why's that the story or like almost human with the cyborg cop that people wanted to fuck and detroit become human with the android cop that people wanted to fuck which i know is a video game (laughs) i just like that parallel or um, Awake, which was this weird, like, parallel universe fantasy show in which Jason Isaacs played a cop who, like, I personally wanted to bang because Jason Isaacs is hot, except not because he's <laughs> playing a cop. <sighs> like, all of these things NYPD are, like... NYPD Blue is... Or, like, Fringe. Fucking some of the people on Fringe are cops. Why are yeah. they cops? You know, why? why is this sort of, like, is it because... Is it because, like, that's, like, a default, like, job that you can give somebody and people will just, like, automatically sympathize with them? Like, I, I genuinely, that's, like, a real question. In the case Is it of, just because like, it's it's the formula that always works? In the case of Fringe, now, I don't know, I've never seen a single episode of Fringe, but from what I know about Fringe, I mean, it seems to me, like, how can we give a motivation for these people wanting to solve mysteries or being involved in this That's mystery? That's fair. Also, like, I think Fringe might be a little bit more like the X-Files, where, like, one of these people mm. has, uh, no way, Alex Kurtzman was one of the people who created Fringe, sorry. Um, that's one of the showrunners for Star Trek Discovery, apparently, created, was one of the creators of Fringe. Um, she's an FBI agent. Yeah. Um... And it's a little bit like, so it's it's more X Files than regular cop show, I guess. Right. NYPD Blue but, is a is a really interesting uh, example because I've seen I think about six or seven seasons of NYPD Blue. Um, my dad was really into it when it was on, and and so we were rewatching it uh, together. And I was having a discussion with my parents about. Um, Copaganda the other day, and we were talking about NYPD Blue. I remember and... you live tweeting rewatching this because of Jimmy Smith's. Yes, Jimmy Smith <laughs> joins the show sometime around season two or three, um, and he's you know very beautiful. Um, this was like the '90s, and you know, possibly at the height of his beauty. I don't know. It's that's arguable. He's always beautiful, but um, NYPD Blue is a really interesting example because I the reason that I liked NYPD Blue as a show was because it unlike Law and Order, was very invested in character and on long-term storylines instead of, like, like, it was still procedural, like, they would still have different things each week, but it was, like, multiple plots and characters mm-hmm. are having things in their personal lives which are affecting their work and 
like this character is this way and these characters have these relationships and this case hasn't been solved yet and people are still dealing with it and it was very gritty and very like um not not very slick at all and i like that about it but even then it was like talking about well how was nypd blue effective as propaganda and it was more about like how we we are we are given so much investment into these characters lives and we care about them so much because we see their whole person we see their whole lives and we just don't get that with the victims or with uh the suspects we just don't get the same amount of like here's this whole person situation maybe maybe once in a while there will be a character who reappears and so we know a little bit more about them um but it's more about the cops than it is about the criminals for lack of a better word um and so it's disproportionate on who we're supposed to care about and who we're supposed to sympathize with and my dad pointed out too because he was being very you know observant and fair about this like i he remembers even when it was on watching that that disproportionately the number of um people that they uh, persecute in these episodes again for lack of a better word are were people of color um and the show deals very very blatantly with racism and the fact that like these some of these characters are openly racist and so it's like this complicated situation where it is addressing the fact that these cops are very racist but it's also like you know it's still saying but look they're <laughs> sympathetic you know well I- I just had this flash of that that bit from that fucking uh, cool motive still murder thing uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which, like, is funny. But if you think about it in terms of, like, the wider kind of foundational aspects of, of like, the, like, working principles of cop shows, is that the motives of the people doing the crime, quote-unquote, like, don't fundamentally matter because they did a bad. But then, like, when the police do a bad, like, in service of the greater good or whatever, all that matters is their motives. So it's just, like, this this thing about, like, man, like, it's not just that they are the enforcers of the law, they end up, like, they kind of they get to be the ones who decide what's right and wrong, in a way. And that fucking sucks, because it should be the same law, you know, like, the whole thing is it's supposed to be the same law for everybody, but it's not, because qualified immunity is bad, and, uh, the cops genuinely absolutely think they're above the law. Um, some of the, I mean, we were talking a little bit about, you know, all of, like, our favorite movies that are technically propaganda, because that's the important thing about it, is, like, Somebody, and I hate, I hate that I'm going to say what I'm about to say, but somebody made a post on Tumblr that was talking about propaganda, and it was, you know, making a lot of valid points, like how, you know, the lawyers are usually presented as bad guys. Like, why would that happen if they're there to defend people from being wrongly pers- like prosecuted and all that kind of stuff? Like, why are internal affairs cops portrayed as the bad guys? aren't they there to stop corruption why does this happen but and it and it ended with like you know this doesn't mean that you can't still enjoy those pieces of media but it's that it's really 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 important to be cognizant of what that is telling you um because it is saying something and one of the things we were talking about that's like a little bit more complicated you know is we're talking about hot fuzz and conversely like um 
LA Confidential, um, the movie, both of them are movies and how LA Confidential is just about literally how corrupt the LAPD was. Um, it's adapted from a book and I don't know a whole lot about the original plot of the book. I understand that the movie is a little bit different, um, in terms of what it's trying to say. But essentially, it's a it's a movie about how corrupt the LAPD was from the top down and how involved they were with, you know, racketeering and bribing and all that kind of stuff, which is a very, very old practice in uh, American law enforcement. Um, and then you have these two, well, technically you have three, but I'm not going to mention um, this one actor's name because, you know, he's a pedophile. Um, but you have Guy Pierce in it uh, as this guy named Exley, who's this, who's, he doesn't fit in with the other cops because he is like very by the book and very straight laced and doesn't like the idea of taking bribes and doing all that stuff. And he thinks that, you know, they should uh, be there to enforce the law and that, that and to help people. Um, that's what he thinks that cops are there to do. And then you have Russell Crowe, who's more character is more of like a kind of a basher. He does do like, violence when he shouldn't have but again he's he's as you know inside a sort of soft person and he wants to help people and protect people so you have these two characters who are leads um the other the other person who i mentioned i feel like i should at least say the name is uh, kevin spacey who is like not a like good character or bad character but he like he's a little bit corrupt but he does try and expose um the corruption and gets murdered for it spoilers um so you have these characters who become cops because they they want to do what they think that cops do and what a lot of us are are taught to believe cops do which is help people and solve crimes um and so the movie kind of ends with them having arrested um someone who's in charge of most of the corruption i'm trying to describe this without spoiling it too much um and then it becomes kind of about how, well, the entire force is corrupt now. So if we just stop the corruption, then maybe the police will be good. And it's, you know, I wrote here that I'm not really expecting a, you know, no, we need to defund and abolish uh, from a movie in the 90s and from Hollywood that was, you know, with a white director, white writer and white actors. But it's... So it's not a radical, I don't think, but it's also not an entirely positive portrayal. Um, similarly, Hot Fuzz is um, an example because it's a parody, first of all, and it has the character, like uh, Simon Pegg's character and Nick Frost's character. Um, Nick Frost mostly becomes a cop because his dad was one, and Simon Pegg's character is just like I. I became a cop because I want to, you know, I want to do the cop thing and and enforce the law, but in a good way. Um, and that's kind of, you know, okay. But it's also an entire movie about how these white middle class people, one of whom is a cop, um, actually just create more violent crime by virtue of fabricating crime from lesser offenses. Um, then they murder street performers and, and homeless people and... Um, young people who are, you know, doing vandalism in the community um, because they want to preserve this idea of what they think a safe and, like, good community is. And that's a really interesting critique. Um, so, you know, it's sometimes it's not as... It, it, it's not a pass-fail test for everything by any means, just as a, I don't think that any movie that talks about most issues is a pass-fail. 
Um, but it's still worth investigating and thinking about what they're actually trying to say. Um, I don't know if we if I have a lot to say about British murder mysteries because like you know they're just different (laughs) some of them like maddie was saying they feel quote-unquote softer because they don't have guns and that's like no but (laughs) uh, i mean they're like that's you know that's the the sort of image that they present to us and i think the like the british murder mystery comes out of a very long tradition of you know i i think i don't know if this is a solely british thing but it feels like the solving the mystery is the point and you have private investigator characters like Sherlock Holmes, who is not a cop, has he has a cop friend, um, but mostly the Scotland Yard is incompetent and can't solve crimes and usually doesn't. And so that kind of carryover carries over in a lot of Agatha Christie stories with Miss Marple and Poirot. Um, but then you have shows like, you know, my personal favorite British murder mystery shows, which is a cop show, which is the Morrison Deborah Lewis series. Um, the Oxford Murder Mysteries, and they are about cops, um, but and the mystery is put at the heart of it, and they do that by kind of portraying, at least in the original show and the novels, Endeavor as a sort of someone, again, who doesn't fit in, you know, he's not, he was a scholar, he's not really there to um, be a cop in the way that the other characters are, He's and so they kind of, you know, make fun of him and isolate him because he's more about solving mysteries. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit more complicated and I, and you know, we were talking about it and I don't think that we really quite got it figured out, but um, I, yeah, it's just, it's complicated, man. Yeah. It's, it's, no, I mean, and so there's, there's, you know, we, like we said, we're here to kind of just, we're, we're having a conversation between the two of us and we're kind of entering a larger and very multifaceted and lively conversation. Um, and yeah, we're, we're not, (laughs) you know, we're not, we're not publishing a, uh, three page audio essay or whatever on the subject for school um that's not what we came here to do um and i should just note that like there's a lot of um there's there's a lot of people who know a lot more shit than we do like (laughs) also writing about this uh there's a whole fucking subreddit that's r slash copaganda um which is mostly IRL, but also like in in fictional shit, which is pretty dope. Um, yeah, we we'll tweet. You know, we'll there'll be some links on our Twitter. I always feel weird like telling people to go read something from an audio format just because me trying to read a URL it is just deeply, de- deeply, deeply inefficient way of communicating information. Yeah, and we will try and tweet out. Um... Both of the stuff that I referenced tonight that I've either read yeah. from or referenced, which is, again, The End of Policing by Alex S. Vitali, if that's how I pronounce his last name, um, which, again, is a free PDF that Verso Books is offering, I think, still. Um, or also, Yeah, they are. I just um, checked. Okay, great. And and also, link if it's not already, uh, it hasn't already been tweeted out, um, Angela Davis's um, 
our prison's obsolete. Yeah, man, and there's listen, PDF listen data to there. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people that you should be listening to and that we're trying to listen to and learn from. Um, let's see. This is an interesting. Maddie definitely was talking about. Maddie's like as our resident video game expert, so like when they're not here, it's like we're light on the video game discussion because. I know a minimal amount of stuff about the video, James. Same. <laughs> and Helena lo- knows I would venture less than I do. Less, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um, you get, like, a little bit less playing, like, you, you, you are more likely to be playing against the cops than as a cop in video games. Um, I, I really don't have anything to say about why that is. Um, but it is an interesting thing to point out. Um, but there's, it's just that that's kind of like, (laughs) or, or as Maddie says, also cops have boring jobs and no one wants to play, no one wants to play as a cop when you could run from them instead. Um, yeah, that is, that is just interesting that there are so many more video games where you are either being, you have been either like failed by or are being worked against by the cops. That's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I so uh, I am at fifteen percent battery, and my battery's on battery saver. So I do think I have to okay stop recording. Well, but... um, I have kind of a few more thoughts to sum up, but I can I am I, I can pilot. I can I can take her home from here if if you gotta go. That would that would be amazing. I love you. Yeah, You're doing go great. For it. I love you um, too. All right. Hey, listeners, get ready for me talking into the void. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. All right. So it's uh, it's just you and me and potentially your headphones. Um, so, copaganda is both insidious and bad. Uh, that's just them's the facts. Um, I kind of wanted to just think for a little bit about why we like it so much and maybe it's not like part of it is we've kind of just been trained to I think as consumers of mainstream media it's just like it's kind of like filler it's like corn uh it's just in everything like yeah there we go copaganda's like corn approximately an American. I'm going to stand by that metaphor. It's weird, but I think it works. You know, because you've got all these things where you might be interested in, like, kind of the concept of a show, and then it happens to be a cop show, and, like, you pick it up that way, even if you don't, like, if you're not, like, out there looking for cop shows. But also, like, like, fundamentally, I think the, like, sort of things that you, like, the things that are kind of on offer from a cop show is is puzzle solving humans fucking love puzzles we love puzzles that's like our whole steez as as a species um you get camaraderie and that like us against the world feeling that we also super love because humans love in groups and out groups which is fucking an impulse that we just are gonna have to be working against uh in service of a better life for all people like possibly as long as there will be people i really hope that we get past that someday but it's going to take a lot of work um and then kind of my third thing that i think is that on a certain level 
being a cop, like the idea of being a cop is a power fantasy that is accessible in kind of like a less class-based kind of a way, if you think about it, where like, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, you have to go to law school and that means you have to go to college and then law school. Or if you want to be a doctor, you have to go to college and then you have to go to medical school. You know, there's all these, or if you want to be a college professor, you have to go to college and then you have to go to grad school. And there's all of these kinds of ways of accruing power, um, like non-monetary, like monetary and non-monetary power that are either based on like this advanced training that like just straight up is offered, like is accessible along super classist lines and racist lines, obviously. Um, this is really more about, like, what white people get out of cop shows. I think I should make that clear. Or uh, the other kind of power is, like, the inherited kind. It's, like, money or, like, kind of dynastic power, which obviously isn't as codified in the United States, but still exists. Um, and so the idea of, like, you don't have to go to college to be a cop. You know, you don't have to do any of this stuff to be a cop. Like, the the power of becoming, that, that you could get by being a police officer is very accessible to a much kind of, like, bigger swath of the population than a lot of these other kinds of power that you think about, like, seeing depicted on television, which is, like, the law, medicine, or money. And, like, all of those things require money and like being born into the right circumstances in a way that you know like there are kind of dynastic cop shows but the idea is that like the cop is is kind of the everyman character but also there's this kind of a level of like blue collar authenticity like working man thing to the cop power fantasy which obviously is like super bullshit but people want that you know because yeah and so I think that like those are kind of I think those are three of the reasons that we keep coming back to these stories because we have this those are like the three kind of fantasies that cop shows allow us to fulfill and like we just have to figure out how to not do that <laughs> we have to figure out how to get our fucking jollies somewhere else um, cause otherwise we're just buying into and perpetuating a system that does incalculable harm to massive, massive, massive numbers of people. And so, I don't know, I don't know where we're gonna get that. Um, you know, puzzle solving, like... There's gotta be, I mean, I even think of, like, Star Trek has its own problems, but, like, Star Trek tends to present these, like, more collaborative visions of, like, how to solve problems. Um, and, like, if you, I don't know, maybe some people like cop shows because they're messy and then other people like cop shows because they're kind of a competence porn thing. Um, but, like, there's lots of other shows. We gotta be able to tell stories about, like, you know, there's lots of other ways that people are, like, good at their jobs and work together with other people who are good at their jobs to like do a thing um i'm gonna wrap this up before i 
get too self-conscious about the fact that I'm just talking into a microphone and it seems like nobody's listening. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, like many dangerous chemicals that were once used as food additives, um, copaganda tastes great to a lot of us, us, but it's gonna fucking kill us and, um, we gotta find a way to imagine different futures and I it has to be said that a huge part of that is going to be just letting other people take the storytelling reins for once letting people who have had who have different perspectives and have had different courses of life and different shit happen to them who are able to imagine different futures yeah <sighs> that's that on that thanks for hanging out with us here on Sneeple at the Movies from the Infinity Break Network check out infinitybreak.net for more awesome content and come hit us up on Twitter at people underscore snake or shoot us an email at sneeple at the movies at gmail.com our amazing music was done by Johnny Ronaldo who you can find at Johnny Ronaldo on Twitter our super snazzy logo was designed by Bethany Luthold. Check her out at Bethany Luthold, that's L-E-U-T-H-O-L-D dot Wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. If you've got a subject you want to hear us talk about, a movie you absolutely think we need to see, or any donation links or reading material relating to the Black Lives Matter movement that you think needs more attention, come say hello. Um, also, if you can, we would love if you would review the show on iTunes and share it with anybody who, uh, you think would like it because any way you can spread our brand around helps us out um i get obviously like there's way more important stuff for you to be sending to your friends and relatives right now but if you think that somebody's got the bandwidth for this um go ahead and do that i don't know i feel weird asking about that right now <sighs> so uh and stay tuned uh, coming up soon, uh, if not next episode, for the kickoff of uh, the long-awaited Sneeple series, Lord of the Rings Summer. Because uh, it's time, and it's extra time now because uh, Ian Hol Sir Ian Holm died, and we miss him very much. <sighs> and as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you masked up and practicing responsible social distancing at the movies at some point soon, we hope. <laughs>